I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapters 14, 15 and 16 of Insurgent. So where we left off, the candor, they interrogated Triss and Four with some truth serum, and I guess they got all the info they needed because they were like, okay, as you were, free to go about your business. And they really didn't even ask that many questions, in my opinion. But they got off scot-free, except Triss did say, oh yeah, I killed Will. And no one had a follow-up question at all. No one said, okay, maybe we should, you know, charge her with murder or something. They didn't even discuss it. They just said, well, I could say, Tris, you are dauntless. And I think she kind of felt so guilty. She wanted a bit of punishment and she wasn't going to get any punishment. So she went and she punished a chair instead. And I think there was a metaphor there, but it was just a little bit sloppy and ham fisted at the same time. So let's just leave that in the past. So we start chapter 14 and it looks like it's later that day, perhaps. She's just chilling out in the hallway. And then Lynn comes up to her and she's like, get out of bed, lazy bones. What the hell are you doing? And she's like, I'm just, I'm just sitting down. What, what do you mean? What the hell am I doing? And Lynn's like, you're dauntless, babe. Get your shit together. It's time you started acting like you're dauntless. You're giving us a bad reputation among the can just sitting around like a lazy bones. And Tris says, I'm just doing Christina a favor. And she's like, ugh, Christina, ugh. She's a lovesick puppy. People die. That's what happens in war. She'll figure it out. The Dauntless just really struggle to relate to people, don't they? Like, gosh, how cruel. Christina just found out that her best friend killed a boyfriend and Lynn's like, yeah, whatever. She actually says that because Tris says, yeah, people die, but it's not always your good friend who kills them. See how now she's calling herself a good friend and not a best friend? How interesting. And Lynn says, whatever, (laughs) whatever, come on. So Lynn drags her to a large open room and it's filled with bunk beds. And this is where all the dauntless men, women, and children are. And there's not a single candor in sight. So the dauntless are really making themselves at home at candor. So then Lynn goes over to one of the bunk beds and there's a boy sitting there who's quite young. And she's like, all right, off your hop, get the hell out of this bed. And he says, what? No way. I'm not relocating again just because you want to have late night pillow chats with one of your stupid friends. And Lynn says, ah, oh, this, this bitch. No, nah, she's not my friend. And Tris almost laughs. She's like, you know what? She's right. We aren't friends. The first time I met her, she was stomping on my toes. I forgot all about that, but it's nice of Veronica to give us the reminder. So this kid, his name is Hector and he's Lynn's younger brother. 
And he's like, oh my God, you're that divergent person everyone's always talking about. The only divergent person anyone's ever met. Well, yeah, I don't know about that. But Hector says, you're divergent. My mum said to stay away from you because you might be dangerous. And Lynn's like, yeah, fuck off, kid. So then he runs off and then Lynn's like, oh, by the way, I don't believe in that whole divergent nonsense. People with special brain powers, come on. I know you believe in it, but I don't. And she says, well, how do you explain me being awake during simulations? And she's like, oh God, is that really all we're going off of? Triss is starting to sound a bit cocky, don't you think? And Lynn, she's a bit of a QAnon conspiracy theorist because she says, I think the leaders choose people at random and change the simulations for them. They do it for a distraction. You're so busy worrying about the divergent that you forget to worry about what the leaders are doing. It's just a different kind of mind control. I don't know, should we at least entertain that theory for a few seconds? Like, does it make any sense? Uh, I guess not really. I guess not really. Because do they really need another form of mind control when they already have simulation serums, happy juice serums, truth serums? I don't think they need to be doing anything extra. And then Triss contemplates about what it must have felt like to be dauntless and have your mind be actually controlled. So Triss thinks, oh, it must have been tough for her to wake up one day and find out she's been murdering people. I don't know if Lynn would have minded, to be quite honest with you. But she says, I decide not to argue with her. If she wants to believe in a government conspiracy, I don't think I can dissuade her. She would just have to experience it for herself. So then Marlene, she brings over some clothes for Triss. So she's getting back in the blacks. She's back in black. And Marlene mentions that Lynn's sister donated some clothes. And Triss says, oh my God, you have a sister? And she says, yeah, Shauna. And Triss says, oh, I remember Shauna. She was one of the people who caught me after ziplining. Like, oh my God. (sighs) Every character we're getting reintroduced to, we have to find out if they were at the ziplining or not. If a character wasn't introduced at the ziplining, then we don't know them. Like, is that how we're meant to remember her? Like, oh yes, that's right. The ziplining. She caught you ziplining. Like, so did 10 people. There was a whole stack of them catching you. Like what makes Shauna any different? I think she's trying to do that thing being like, oh, look, this was an Easter egg. I introduced a character in book one only to reveal their importance in book two. But guess what? It it, it doesn't matter. Like she caught you ziplining and then she let you borrow a dress. Like, does it really matter? Although what Sean is doing with a dress in Dauntless, I don't know. And they even discuss it. They're like, why did she donate a dress? Triss isn't going to wear a dress. But Marlene, she says, well, actually, I think it would be easier to fight in a dress. It would give your legs freer movement. And who really cares if you flash people your underwear as long as you're kicking the crap out of them? And then Lynn goes silent. Like she recognizes that it's a spark of brilliance, but she can't bring herself to admit it. So they all seem to be on board with the idea of fighting in a dress, whereas I think it would still be wildly impractical. A dress would give your legs freer movement. Just wear tights. So then Uriah walks up and he's like, what's this about flashing underwear, huh? And I've just got the image of him being like Danny Zuko and Grace just walking up in like, hey, who's talking about flashing undies? Because he says, what's this about flashing underwear? And he says, whatever it is, I'm in. And then Marlene punches him and she's like, get out of here, Uriah. So then Uriah says, some of us are going to the Hancock building tonight. You should all come. We're leaving at 10. And stupid Lynn, stupid Lynn, she's like, oh, we're going ziplining. And Uriah's like, "Ah, bitch, there's a war going on. We're not going ziplining in the middle of a a rebellion. 
half of our factions defected to go with the erudite who just massacred all of abnegation. No, we're not going zip lining. He says, we're going for surveillance. We've heard the erudite keep their lights on all night. <laughs> they've heard, they've heard. They haven't seen with their own eyes that they've kept the lights on, but he's heard that they keep their lights on all night, which will make it easier to look through their windows to see what they're doing. Okay, what a brilliant plan, Uriah. Maybe you should go ziplining because are you really going to go to the top of a 100-story building and look out and, and try and see what's going on through a window? Do you have binoculars? I hope you have binoculars or a telescope or some sort of technology that can help you see what they're up to. But they all say, yeah, let's do it. Let's go up to the Hancock building. And then she says Marlene waves as they walk away. She used to walk with a lift in her step like she was skipping. Now her steps are smoother, more elegant maybe, but lacking the childish joy I associate with her. What? Since when have we known this much about Marlene? I don't even know who Marlene is, but apparently she's got a childish gait. I can't help but feel like that little paragraph was just plopped in. So then her and Lynn discuss how Zeke, Uriah's brother, defected. And then Lynn calls her brave because everyone thinks she's brave now. Now that they've heard the truth from the truth serum, everyone thinks she's brave. And then a few hours later, she's had lunch, she's had a nap. She's changing the bandage around her shoulder. Uriah walks past. (laughs) Well, she says, Uriah charges down the aisle between the bunks with Marlene thrown over his shoulder. So yeah, Uriah is Danny Zuko. He's like, hey, I got this girl on my shoulders. And everyone else is like, ha, 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 classic Uriah. Again, I'll remind you, there's a war going on. And Lynn, she's sitting next to Tristan. She's like, oh, I don't see how he can be flirty with everything that's going on. I agree, Lynn. But Tris, she's all for Uriah Zuko. She says, well, what's he supposed to do? Shuffle around scowling all the time. Maybe you can learn something from him. I don't know why she's being such a bitch to Lynn. Lynn just helped you organize like new clothes. She just called you brave, like cut Lynn a break. So they're about to leave for the Hancock building and Tobias is there and he's like, what are you guys up to? And they said, we're about to go to the top of the Hancock building to spy on the erudite. (laughs) And Tobias just says, yeah, I'll pass. He's probably thinking, well, that's a stupid fucking plan but he's also afraid of heights. And so he says, I've got a few things to take care of here. So, you know, I'll pass, but you guys be careful. And Triss is like, oh, I bet it's about the heights. No, I think it's more the fact that he recognizes that you won't be able to see anything of substance from a 100 story building, looking out across the city to someone with lights on, looking in through their buildings. Like you're not gonna read the paperwork on their desks. Like you're not gonna see anything of note. So why would Tobias waste his time? So Tobias says, I'll see you later. Don't do anything stupid. And he touches her arm and she's like, oh my God, that's the first time he's touched me since before our fight. Their fight, what, earlier that day? Like it's been hours, Tris. And she's like, oh, well, thanks for the vote of confidence. And he's like, oh God, I didn't mean that. I mean, don't let anyone else do anything stupid. Oh God, who really cares? So she catches up with Lynn and then she says to Lynn, why did everyone leave Dauntless headquarters? The traders aren't there, are they? And she says, no, they're at Erudite headquarters. We left because Dauntless headquarters has the most surveillance cameras of any area in the city. We knew that Erudite could probably access all the footage and that it would take forever to find all the cameras. So we thought it was best just to leave. 
<laughs> and Tris says, smart. And she says, we have our moments. What? How is that smart? Surely someone within Dauntless can account for all of the security cameras, right? They're like, oh, too many security cameras to dismantle. So let's just never go back. Surely the security cameras at Kanda and you won't know where they are. So why would you, why would you leave the place where you should presumably know where the cameras are? And Tris thinks, oh, that's smart. Oh, that's so smart. How, how is it smart? So then they go into the elevator and Tris makes a comment about Lynn being bald. And so she says, why'd you shave your head? Like, seems like a personal question. But Lynn says, well, I figured if I don't look so much like a girl, maybe the Dauntless wouldn't look at me that way and that I'd have an easier time throughout initiation. And Triss, the master tactician, she's read The Art of War or something because she says, well, I think you could have used being underestimated to your advantage. And Lynn's like, oh, you know what? Mind your own fucking business. But Triss doesn't shut up. She says, I think a mistake the Dauntless make is refusing to be cunning. You don't always have to smack people in the face with how strong you are. Shut up, Triss. Who died and made you Alexander the Great? And Lynn's not having it. She says, well, maybe you should dress in blue from now on if you're going to act like such an erudite. Plus, you do the same thing, but without the head shaving. So then they go downstairs They catch up with Shauna, Uriah, Zuko, he's there. And Uriah says, oh, Triss, do you know Lauren? And Lauren says, yeah, she went through my fear landscape for practice during initiation. So she knows me better than she should, probably. God, all of these callbacks to how we know these characters are so forced. And now it's not even Triss being like, oh yeah, I met this person once. It's the other character announcing through dialogue how we should know them. And Uriah, he says, well, really? I I thought Four would have let them go through his fear landscape. And she's like, as if Four would let anyone do that. And Triss, she gets this warm and soft feeling inside. And she's like, he let me go through it. Like, okay. So if you guys are like me and you're thinking, God, this chapter's been pretty fucking boring so far. Well, then some guns start to go off. So the glass doors explode and then dauntless soldiers with blue armbands, they storm the building. And Triss, dickhead Triss, still doesn't have a gun. She never picked up a gun. She got clothes, but she never got given another gun. So she's ducking behind a wall of loyal dauntless in front of her. So when I first started reading that sentence, I read, duck behind a wall. And I was like, oh, okay, good. She's hiding behind a wall, but no, she's hiding behind a wall of loyal Dauntless. She's using human shields. She's hiding behind people from the gunfire. And then she pulls her knife out of her back pocket. What are we going to be doing with that knife, Triss? What are you doing? Bringing a knife to a gunfight. My castle crumbled overnight. I brought a knife to a gunfight. Also, what are you doing storing a knife in your back pocket? That doesn't seem safe. She says, all around me, people drop to the ground. My fellow faction members, my closest friend, her closest friends. I couldn't even finish that without gasping. Her closest friends. So everyone's dropping like flies. And then she freezes because there's a blue beam fixed on her chest. And she dives sideways to get out of the line of fire, but she doesn't move fast enough. The gun goes off. She falls. That's the end of the chapter. And so we start chapter 15. She's fine. She's fine. The pain subsides to a dull ache. She's not bleeding. 
but the force of the gunshot did knock her down. So she's been hit with something. And then she hears a crack against the floor and there's like a metal cylinder rolling that's spewing out white smoke. But the smoke doesn't even do anything. It just evaporates after a few seconds and she thinks, what was the point of that? So then she's looking around and everyone's knocked unconscious. They're not dead, they're not bleeding, but they're all unconscious. But then the dauntless traders, they walk into the lobby and she's like, shit, what do I do? I better pretend to be unconscious as well because that's her go-to. And then someone steps on her hand and she bites her tongue to suppress a cry of pain so they don't know that she's actually awake. And that's when one of the dauntless soldiers says, not sure why we can't just shoot them all in the head. And then another person, a cold voice says, now Bob, we can't just kill everyone. And she's like, oh my God, I know that voice. I would know that voice anywhere. It belongs to Eric. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I know who Eric is, but no, she's got to explain who he is. It belongs to Eric, leader of the Dauntless. So Eric's telling them to split up. And then she sees that there's a gun a few feet to her left. And she's thinking, oh, I could probably grab that gun and shoot him if I was quick enough. But then she's worried that if she does touch the gun, she might have that PTSD attack thing again. So she just lays there and she waits. And then they all leave the room. Oh God, why would they have left the room? They just left a whole army of passed out dauntless people on the floor. Like surely they would have left someone behind to keep watch on them. But no, they didn't. So she says, everyone in the lobby appears to be unconscious. Whatever they gassed us with, it had to be simulation inducing or I wouldn't be the only one awake. (sighs) How sick are we of that by now? Of course, of course. It must be simulation inducing, even though they're all asleep. Why they're not using the serum that does work on divergent people. It's been tried and tested with four. We know it works. Why they're not using that, it's unclear. So then she says, I grab my knife and get up. (laughs) You're not going to grab the gun? It was, it was lying right there. You're not going to grab the gun. Oh, for fuck's sake. So then she runs over to one of the dead dauntless traders and says she was middle-aged. There are hints of gray in her dark hair. I try not to look at the bullet wound in her head. Okay. Well, why do we need to know if she's got gray hair? She was middle-aged. This seems ageist. So Tris robs the senior citizen. She unzips her jacket and puts it on for herself so that she's got the armband. So people aren't going to think that she's one of the other half of the diversion. I don't know what her game plan is. I guess she's just trying to like fit in with the dauntless traders. Although surely she's recognizable at this point. At least Eric knows what she looks like, right? He's not going to get confused by a blue armband. And then she hears someone call her name and she turns around and there's Uriah. And she says, Divergent? (laughs) And he says, yeah. And she narrates, there is no time to be shocked. So Uriah's Divergent too. Are you guys shocked? I guess I'm not shocked because everyone's Divergent. So then Uriah, he takes a jacket with a blue armband as well. And he's like, all right, well, let's get out of here. And she's like, no, we need to see what the Dauntless are doing. And he's a bit like... That doesn't seem like it makes much sense, but he's like, okay. He says, what if someone recognizes us? Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And she says, we just have to hope that they won't. And she shrugs. What? Of course they're going to recognize you. Maybe not Uriah Zuko. He might be able to get away with it. But, but Tris, I'm pretty sure people know who you are. So then they're going upstairs and she's thinking, oh, there are bound to be more of the divergent in this building, but will they know what they are? Will they know to hide? So she thinks half of these people pretending to be passed out, they must be divergent. Of course they must because everybody's divergent. There are multitudes of divergent people. So then she decides to split up and she says, Uriah, you go to level three, I'll go to level two and I'll try and look for the divergent. Why would you split up? Oh, this Triss, this Triss. Art of War, Sun Tzu, Triss. She's real confident in her tactical skills, whereas I know how she was trained. She did one game of paintball, of capture the flag, and that was it. I don't think you can learn all you need to learn just through one game of capture the flag. So then she's walking down the hallway, stepping over unconscious people, and she's singing a nursery rhyme to herself. She says, I think of a verse of the song Candor children used to sing. Okay, you're not Candor, so how you know this verse off by heart, I'm not too sure. But the verse goes, Dauntless is the cruelest of the five. They tear each other to pieces. Not a a very catchy nursery rhyme. Like, you know, where I come from, nursery rhymes rhyme. This one doesn't seem to rhyme, which is just a very shocking take on nursery rhymes. But she thinks, yeah, that's so true. We are the only faction that could divide like this. Amity would never do it. Abnegation would never be so selfish. Candor would argue until they all agreed. Even the erudite would never do something so illogical. We really are the cruelest faction. The cruelest faction? Um, erudite just massacred a whole, like, town of people. 
And they used mind control to do it. I don't know if Dauntless are that cruel in comparison. So she's walking down the hallway filled with unconscious people and she's looking for irregular breaths, flickering eyelids, anything to suggest that the people lying on the ground are just pretending to be unconscious. And so then one of the Dauntless traders shouts out for Eric and Eric walks right past Triss and she's like, oh no, he's going to recognize me. Well, guess what? He doesn't. The blue armband worked a treat. Eric doesn't even look at her. And so then he goes over to the other Dauntless soldier who's kneeling over a woman and he says, ah, Divergent, well done. Bring her to the elevator bank. We'll decide which ones to kill and which ones to bring back later. So I guess they did use a simulation smoke bomb that doesn't work on the Divergent just to squirrel out the Divergent. Although it, uh, it doesn't seem that well thought out because of course everyone's going to pretend to be passed out. And you're doing a pretty bad job of finding the Divergent people by having to like check who's pretending to be asleep. Surely there could have been a more streamlined process, especially because we already know Triss and Uriah both managed to get away undetected. This seems like an Eric plan, not a Janine plan because Janine, she would have done better than this. And also if they're expecting half of the people to be faking unconsciousness, why would you out loud be like, great, we found another divergent. Let's decide which ones to kill over at the elevator bank. Just so everyone knows where we'll be and what we intend to do. If you're listening, if you're pretending to be unconscious right now, this is our plan. Just so you all know. So then Eric continues down the hallway away from her and she gets back to work. But she's now like wanting to rush and speed up. She says, the next person I come across, I step hard on their pinky finger. No response, not even a twitch. I step over them and find the next person's finger, pressing hard with the toe of my shoe. No response there either. Okay, that would have been a great plan if you hadn't just told us earlier in this chapter that someone stood on your hand and you suppressed a reaction. Someone stepped on her hand, she swallowed a scream, she, she played it cool and didn't get discovered. So now she thinks, oh, I know. I'll just step on everybody's hands to see if they react. Is she just assuming that everyone else is shitter than she is and won't be as quick thinking? And then she hears another soldier shout out, got one. Ugh, how many divergents are they catching? There's so many people who are divergent. How can this be? So now she's really stressed. So she's just stepping on everybody. Stepping on fingers, stomachs, ankles. <laughs> God. Everyone's going to wake up very sore. They're not going to be killed, but they're going to wake up being like, ouch, my hand hurts. Why is there a boot print in my stomach? And like to go for the ankle as well. Like, what are you, Tonya Harding? Don't go for people's ankles. That could cause some serious lasting damage. And she says, and then it happens. I step on a candy girl's pinky and her face twitches just a little, but enough to catch my attention. So uh, we've got another one, another divergent. What do you know? And she says, hey kid, don't worry. I'm one of the good guys. There's a staircase about three yards away. Run for it. Which also doesn't seem like a great plan. Like, so what, she's going to get to the staircase and then what? Just hang out in the staircase. The dauntless soldiers are going to go up and down the stairs. They're going to find her. So the girl runs off and then she's like, okay, I'm doing it. I'm doing good. Let's go break some more ankles. But then Eric is standing right behind her. 
And so there's a standoff between them. They're looking at each other and she's like, oh, I really should have picked up that gun. Whoopsie daisy. So then she goes to elbow him in the face, but he he pulls out a gun and holds his gun to her head. And he says, I don't understand how you could possibly be stupid enough to come up here with no gun. Yeah, me neither, Eric. Although you and four were the ones responsible for training her. So maybe you should have given her that lesson. Gun carrying 101. Maybe you should have done that instead of the paintball. Although they did do a lot of training with knife throwing. So she's not completely useless in this scenario. So she steps on his foot, which she had shot a bullet into less than a month ago, she reminds us. Less than a month ago. How long has it been? Less than a month implies to me that it's been like three and a half weeks. But I can't, I can't, I can't imagine it's been that long. They went to Amity for what, a few days? And then they went to the factionless for a few more days. Surely it's just been a week. I don't know why she's saying less than a month ago. Wouldn't you just say about a week ago? Oh, the timeline. I'm unsure on the timeline. Anyway, he overpowers her, but he doesn't shoot her. And then she thinks, oh, okay, he's not allowed to shoot me yet. That's a good sign. So then Eric starts to do a little villain speech. He says, I was surprised to discover that you were still alive, considering I'm the one who told Janine to construct that water tank just for you. Well, maybe you should have just told Janine to shoot her in the head because designing an elaborate James Bond-esque death trap, she's gonna escape. But he says, oh, Janine thought studying one of the divergence reaction to a real life version of a simulation would be fascinating. And I agreed. You see, ingenuity, one of the qualities we most value in Erudite, requires creativity. Yet it also flopped because she escaped. I don't know if I was the one that designed a death trap that someone escaped from. I'd be gloating about it. And then he pushes his thumb into her shoulder and he says, Oh, I thought I recalled from the footage of you in that water tank that you got shot in the shoulder. It seems I was right. Oh God, can we stop with the villain foreplay? Just knock her out and take her back to Erudite HQ. So then she's being dragged towards the elevator bank, which we've been told is where they're putting all the divergent people. And she gets put down next to the candor woman she saw earlier. She and four others sit between the two rows of elevators. Okay, so not that many divergent. Actually, only a handful. I'm quite surprised. And then the elevator doors open and there's a dauntless soldier shoving Uriah towards the row of divergence. So Uriah's been nabbed and she thinks, oh no, if he's here, he's probably failed. Now they'll find all the divergent in the building and most of us will die. Okay, you failed too. I don't know why you've got to be so critical of poor Uriah. But then she says, I should probably be afraid. But instead, a hysterical laugh bubbles inside me because I just remembered something. Maybe I can't hold a gun, but I have my knife in my back pocket. My castle crumbled overnight. I brought a knife to a gunfight. All right, she proved me wrong. She proved me wrong. This is why you have a knife instead of a gun. And this is why you store it rather impractically in your back pocket. And that was the end of that chapter. So we go to chapter 16. We pick up straight away. Unsure why it's a new chapter, but she's being held at gunpoint by a soldier that Eric left her with, and she's trying to inch her hand back to grab her knife. And then the elevator doors open again, bringing more of the Divergent with more of the Dauntless Traders. Okay, so here I was just praising the storyline for having some restraint in the number of Divergent people, but now here we go, more, more Divergent. We're just piling up. 
So now she's got her hand in her back pocket and she's just waiting for Eric to walk past and get within arm's reach. So to try and calm herself, she's just focusing on her breathing. She says, air in, air out. Blood pushed all the way to my extremities. The heart is a powerful muscle. The strongest muscle in the body in terms of longevity. What? The strongest muscle? I've always thought the strongest muscle in the body was the tongue or the butt. But here she is giving me a biology lesson in the middle of being held at gunpoint. What? I think Veronica Roth just had like a fact of the day calendar or fact of the day toilet paper. And while she was writing this chapter, she saw, oh, the strongest muscle in the body in terms of longevity is the heart. And she thought, wow, that's a cute little tidbit of information. I'm going to slot that into this current page that I'm working on because it's just so out of place. She's just slipping in a little bit of trivia for us all. So then Eric's walking back and forth along the row of Divergent. And he says, my orders are to take only two of you back to Erudite headquarters for testing. The rest of you are to be executed. There are several ways to determine who among you will be least useful to us. So yeah, he's doing the full villain thing, just giving everybody enough time to escape. But then he stops in front of this young boy next to Triss. And he says, the brain finishes developing at age 25. Okay, another fact of the day. That's two biology facts on the same page. I don't know if Veronica was just watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I don't know if she just read a biology textbook. I don't know what was going on. But okay, now she's telling us the brain finishes developing at age 25. Okay. And Eric says, therefore, your divergence is not completely developed. And he shoots the kid dead, which is really brutal. Also, like, I don't think there are any elder divergent people there. I mean, like Triss is 16, isn't she? So her brain's not really finished developing and yet her divergence seems to be on its way. So I don't really know if Eric's logic is that sound. I apologize to Veronica's fact of the day calendar, but I I am skeptical. Maybe not of the, the brain finishing developing at age 25 fact, but I'm skeptical of the link between that and divergence. I'm not denying science here. I'm just denying the existence of divergent people in this book. Maybe I'm like Shauna. Maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist. And then Eric stands in front of Triss and he says, you are also rather young, nowhere near finished developing. Okay, yeah, agreed. Yep, that's, that's just what I said, yep. Most of the divergent get two results in the aptitude test. Some only get one. No one has ever gotten three, not because of aptitude, but simply because in order to get that result, you have to refuse to choose something. (sighs) So here he is with the big explanation exposition. And he's basically saying to us, yeah, Tris, you are special because she got three. But here he is saying no one's ever gotten three because no one ever refuses to choose something. Like surely she's not the first person to refuse to choose something. And if she is, I don't know why Eric feels the need to explain all of this, but at least we know now again, why Tris is special in the face of all these divergent people. He says, my superiors suspect that you got two Tris. They don't think you're that complex just an even blend of abnegation and dauntless, selfless to the point of idiocy, or is that brave to the point of idiocy? Uh, Who cares, Eric? Just shut up and kill her. You don't need to go on with this profile. But he does, he says, just between you and me, oh, and everyone else in the room, I think you might've gotten three because you're the kind of bullheaded person who would refuse to make a simple choice just because she was told to. Care to enlighten me? Oh my God, stop letting her stall for time. The classic villain mistake. 
and she doesn't answer him. She just stabs him. <laughs> she leans forward. She stabs him. I brought a knife to a gunfight. I don't know where she stabbed him, but wherever she stabbed him, she got him good because she opens her eyes and now Eric is slumped to the ground and then there's chaos. And she says the Dauntless traders aren't holding lethal guns. Okay, well then what did Eric just kill people with? Like, apparently they've just got the, the like guns shooting rubber bullets or whatever. You think they wouldn't have packed a backup? Oh no, so they, they did pack a backup. Now they're scrambling for their real guns. So I don't know where their real guns are. I don't know if she says they're scrambling for them like on a, on a gun belt perhaps, or if someone's just got them all in a satchel at the end of the hallway. It, it's unclear, but none of them have guns apparently. So then Uriah, he punches someone and takes the soldier's gun and then starts shooting all of the Dauntless that are close to them. Unclear if he's got a real gun or a rubber bullet gun. But now she's reaching for Eric's gun and gunshots fill her ears. Everyone's shooting guns. Unclear what type of guns, but everyone's shooting guns. And then she sees a Dauntless symbol tattooed on the back of the neck. And she's like, oh, that's Tobias. Cause I think Tobias is the only person from Dauntless with a Dauntless symbol tattooed on his neck. Like that's his thing apparently. And yeah, well it, it ends up being Tobias. He just appears out of nowhere. Where has he been? Again, unclear. She told us it was chaos and she's writing it quite chaotically. And then she turns around and there are Dauntless there, but they're her Dauntless, the loyal Dauntless, not the Dauntless traitors. And she's like, how are they awake? Well, maybe they're all divergent, plot twist. So then the Dauntless traitors, they're sprinting away because they weren't prepared for an attack. And then she says Tobias keeps firing over and over again until his gun runs out of bullets. Unclear if they're real bullets or not. On the floor, Eric's moaning, still alive. The gunshots stop. She's got blood all over her hand. And then Tobias says, Triss, you can put the knife down now. And that's the end of the chapter. So we got a little bit of action, but man, it was chaotic. I do not know what just happened. I really hope they finish off Eric and just kill him for good because the whole villain speech thing, I'm not a fan of that trope. Like you say it best when you say nothing at all, Eric. But things are picking up plot-wise. If you have any thoughts, questions, concerns, comments, please send them through. And then I'll see you guys next week for who knows what's going to happen. I honestly have no clue where we're going with this. See you next time. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.